0: Welcome to Neutral Exposure, a space for reflection and inspiration with photographers across a range of disciplines. My name's Al Simms.
1: incredibly strict five-week lockdown um, where you couldn't go out to even walk your dog or exercise. You couldn't buy alcohol or cigarettes, which isn't a major for me, but a lot of people are freaking out quite a bit. So that's been five weeks. And now we're going into what they call level four, which is actually exactly the same thing. So it's been quite intense for a lot of people. um, And I think cabin fever is getting real for sure.
0: Um, Are people following the, the government? Rules, or are people kind of rebelling? or
1: uh, they're mostly following. There's quite a lot of the army around. A lot of police stopping you, checking you if you're going anywhere. Like if you want to go and buy food, and you go too far outside your area, it's you can get stopped, and they do find a lot of people. So I think people have been pretty scared, but then I think people are starting to get a bit tired of it now, and I think they might start pushing the boundaries a little bit.
0: Yeah, I sounds a bit more. Um enforced than over here. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I live right next to one of the biggest parks in London and yeah, people have been, I mean, last weekend people were having picnics and, and I was just like, fuck hell guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they've been quite strict because they think we don't have the discipline to stick to it, which is good in some ways. And in the beginning, we were all quite you know, keen to really do what we need to do. But some of the things are not making sense anymore. So I think people are getting really, really frustrated
0: yeah yeah sure sure cool well um, i really appreciate you doing this um I'm, I've, I've got to say it was um it was all down to mr emil holber uh when i asked him who he'd like to hear on it you were, were the first name on the list so um yeah, <laughs> that's, thanks for doing it.
1: that's really awesome
0: awesome yeah so um you're you're based in cape town right that's correct yeah cool and um you didn't go straight into photography right you worked in the film industry
1: yes so uh... I studied film directing and screenwriting straight out of school, so I always knew I wanted to be a storyteller, but I think I got a bit sidetracked, and then I ended up working as an art director in the movie industry for about nine years, and then actually, like, I discovered photography completely by chance. I traveled to the east with my partner, and he suggested that we buy a camera, and I said, what a terrible idea, and what a waste of money, and he insisted on buying it for holiday pictures, and I absolutely fell in love with the medium while traveling and taking pictures and only started pursuing a Korean photography four years ago. Um, and then I'm self-taught. So I started assisting commercial photographers to generate income, but also to learn about lighting and conceptualizing. And it's been four years now and absolutely loving it.
0: Cool. And were you still working in the film industry after you'd kind of, I suppose, what did, what did the transition from working in the film industry to kind of take it on full-time
1: photography not like? So like most people just before I turned 30 I think I had a bit of a a crisis in directing my life you know where I really wanted it to go and in the beginning I loved the film work and towards the end I became quite despondent. I felt like I was just creating entertainment and selling stuff and it wasn't really aligning with where I wanted to be Um, and then what happened was a really close friend of mine passed away and I was told that I couldn't attend the funeral. I had to be on set because we are shooting. I just thought, is this really so important? And so just before I turned 30, I got in my car and I drove to the opposite end of the country to go and live with a group called the Black Mambas, who are all-female anti-poaching unit. So I had this idea that I would document what they're doing and it would give me a sense of what I wanted to do with my life but at that point I still didn't think of myself as a photographer necessarily it was more just the journey that I needed to take and then people were they were interested in the images in the story Uh, I published those and then a few months later I just made a clean break I just walked away from the film industry and most of my friends and family said it was a really terrible idea it was very well established and I was earning really well and they said what would you possibly want to do differently? I just said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I found some photographers to assist and started from the bottom and just slowly worked my way up. And I think what assisting allowed me to do was it gave me a lot of free time in which I could do personal projects. And those I kept developing as I was learning more and more. And I think assisting commercial photographers has really influenced my work in a big way I sometimes say I've got this kind of pumped-out documentary style where I do documentary photography, but I don't just go out in the street and I shoot. I really love lighting and conceptualizing and thinking about how do you use the image to say something. So that's mm-hmm. been my journey so far.
0: Cool. Was it was it fashion photographers that you're assisting? Because uh, South Africa is quite a, a hotbed for fashion photography, right?
1: Uh, actually, it's funny. I ended up assisting, and this wasn't by choice. It just kind of happened. Assisting a lot of photographers that do. Um, food and product photography and that was even weirder because people started saying well that's not what you want to go into at all and it wasn't but everything I learned I could apply to what I was doing and the photographers actually just became mentors which was a lot more valuable than the actual work I was watching them do so it was always great to go and bounce off someone and say I'm doing this and you know what do you think helped me figure this out
0: yeah yeah awesome uh, the so so the Black Mamba's project was the first the first kind of uh, proper undertaking that you did.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: That must have been quite a change from the the big film sets and crew size to then just kind of going out on your own and uh, and, and you know taking on that duty all by yourself.
1: It was a fantastic experience. Uh, just before that, I bought a Hasselblad 500 cm old medium format film camera and. I don't know how I even figured out how to use it properly, but I still look mm-hmm. back at those images and they're some of my favorite pictures I've ever made.
0: It's an awesome project.
1: <laughs> it's, I really enjoyed working on it. And so I went trekking through the bush with this giant medium format camera. It's actually a ridiculous idea if I think about it now, but I really loved what came out of it. And it was just the space with a woman, learning what they were doing and documenting that, that really sparked my love for visual storytelling.
0: Mm. And how, did you, how did you make contact? with the with the group
1: um i emailed somebody that runs the program there and they said sure if you can get here you're welcome to come and see what we're up to and live with us for a week uh so i did um okay yeah
0: oh cool so yeah straightforward as that and um was it definitely an attraction to the long form documentary you know do you do you play a part in the world of commercial photography as well or did did you at the start you know what's 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 that balance like
1: um So it's an interesting question. I often think that at that time, the assisting and later some commercial work came and those kind of feed the personal work. So I always see them as buying time, which is something I'm always trying to do. I'm always trying to negotiate more freedom, more time to do the things I love. I think it's very hard to get an editor on board and to say, I'm going to be working on this project for the next six months. Assign me Mm -hmm. to do it. So often my work is very long term. I often work in communities that I'm not a part of. And I think going into those spaces, as a photographer, you really need to understand that you are telling a small fraction of someone's story through your lens. It's not you Mm. telling their story. I think that's a very naive thing to think. So the more time you spend in communities, the better you begin to understand what the space is like, how different communities have completely different sets of rules that they live by. so definitely the long-form work, absolutely love. I think it's necessary. It's a big part of my practice. And yeah, so at this point, it's really buying time to do that constantly and finding a way to balance and to feed it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, time's the most valuable thing we can buy, right? And um, you said that you had the Hasselblad and you were kind of going out into the bush. Uh, other than the technical challenge, you know, what did that first that first kind of launch pad Uh, teach you as well. You know, what were the what were the kind of challenges that you overcame and and what like lessons did you take from that?
1: I remember on the first day I felt very overwhelmed. The women all arrived and I didn't really know them and it was such a barrier for me to just jump in and start shooting. And I think it was that evening or the next morning I actually went to the camp where they were staying and I just hanged out for a couple of hours. And then I realized the importance of building these relationships of really establishing firm foundations before you even take out a camera I think I know I was very naive when I started art and I've learned a lot along the way and I've had to unlearn a lot of things so for what I do now is that I spend a lot of time with people before I even bring a camera to it and I think that's one of the most important things in doing really deep work mm.
0: but did you have uh, did you have a clear idea of what you were I suppose the, the look of what you were going for or was it really just a case of kind of letting the story unfold while you were there?
1: with the black members, it was a mix of feeling incredibly lost of just going on this random journey, and I don't think I thought about it that much, but often when I look at work afterwards, there is always a very clear aesthetic and direction. so I think there's always a subconscious definitely there is a clear idea of what you want to do, and I think I do allow myself to be influenced by the space a lot. Uh, I loved working with women and for me like I think I also realized this later was that my work was definitely very issue driven but always looking at a positive solution to problems so with the Black members, for instance we looked at the issue of poaching and how a different approach could be really effective uh, and I'm always I've always been drawn to looking at problems in a different way and not just showing all the negative things especially a country like South Africa we do have a lot of problems and People have a very particular view of us and I'm really trying to challenge that with my work and show new solutions to old problems.
0: What what, what do you think that uh, that view is that outsiders have of, have, of South Africa?
1: Um, it's funny, like when I went to New York, people often have, like sometimes people ask really silly things like, are there lines in the streets? And I just think, really? <laughs> um, so you get those people and you get people who go are you from South Africa but you're white? Are there any white Ah. people there? So people definitely have very limited views of who we are and I think we're quite young in establishing our identity which is an incredibly exciting thing Mm. and it's an amazing opportunity to be part of showcasing who we are and really sending different images out into the world. I think Unfortunately, often photography has been dominated by middle-aged white men. So we're only getting one particular view of the world. And there's lots of views. And we need to see more of those to really understand what places look like and what the people that live there are like.
0: Sure, sure. And I, I think what's interesting with your projects as well is, you know, you don't shy away from the the challenges that in your instance that South Africa faces, you know, you're, you're absolutely pointing a camera to it, you know, like the, the, the project you've done on gang culture and, you know, the black members and uh, yeah, that's quite interesting, you know, throwing yourself right into the heart of where, you know, people might look at this as a, as a, as a, as a national challenge or whatever.
1: Absolutely. And like I said, the important thing for me really is to like when I worked within the gang culture as well was to, really find different narratives and to show very different perspectives. And it was interesting that I started working. So I started working in communities with this interest in gang culture. And then the final project that I did, there was actually a project about the youth who finished high school against all odds from those communities. So it often starts in one place. And I think that's the thing is when you're working in a space and you initially start, what I'm realizing now is that your first project is not the project you're actually going to be doing there. It's going to be an idea that you have and you're going to go in, you're going to meet people, you're going to have conversations. And out of that, the real project will grow.
0: Okay. So that's kind of the, I suppose you find the thread of the story as you go along. Absolutely. That's cool. And um, with the, I suppose after that Black Mambas project, you know, you found that the, the subsequent projects you've worked on, you've dedicated more time to or is it really just kind of working with what's available well you know like you said the commercial commercial projects are kind of buying you time you know is it literally a case of uh, this is how much i've got
1: um so i think the other major projects i worked on after the members really became long-term projects um i've been working in the cape flats for the past three years now and then i've been doing work in the lgbtqi plus community for the past two years and it's only after two years that I really am finding that these are the stories that are really exciting to be telling. And I really do think that spending a lot of time in a community gives you a very unique perspective into it. Having said that, I've seen people go out on the streets and I always admire street photographers who can just walk up to someone and get a great picture. Mm. I don't think I'm that person and I'm okay with it. I really love like peeling back all the layers that you get sure. to do when you spend a lot of time with someone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a kind of it's it's a test of of some sort of character to be able to get a shot in, 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 you know, in a moment with a complete stranger. But there's only so much substance there.
1: I think the other thing. um, So the other thing I've recently in the past years discovered as I was working within the drag community in Cape Town was that. Once you start engaging in conversations and you start actively getting feedback on your work, you really begin to have unique insight into how people want to be shown and how they want to be represented. And that's really influenced my work quite a lot lately. And I think my work has taken on a very collaborative approach where all of this feedback I'm getting, I'm pushing back into the work. And that's what I'm really enjoying. And I'm almost stepping out of the role of being a photographer in the sense that I go in and I say, this is what we're doing. And I'm rather stepping into a space where I hold space for the subjects and I almost watch what unfolds from that and how people respond to that space where they can direct their own images.
0: Yeah, sure. Is that is that particularly noticeable in in, in the drag community where identity's, you know, at the heart of that of that culture?
1: Definitely. Um, so when I started that work, initially I was very interested in In these particular spaces, so South Africa has a very advanced constitution in terms of the whole continent when it comes to LGBTQI plus rights. But on the street, the reality is very different. So I was not only interested in spaces where queer bodies feel safe, but really spaces where they are celebrated for who they are. And so I ended up in um, the Miss Gay pageant scene. So for six months, I documented this. And what happened was after every pageant, I would get a whole lot of messages saying, please, can you send my pictures? Okay. So it became quite a lot of admin uh, to do that. I shot almost every weekend. But the value of that was was getting instant feedback on the work. So initially, one of the very early things that came out was, oh, wow, the lighting is really harsh. I don't look beautiful. Mm. And I realized that my approach was completely wrong. And it really helped me to understand how people wanted to be shown and so it became a six-month conversation kind of just continually influencing the work and after that I said okay so I've come in and I've done this body of work now let's collaborate what stories do you want to tell and then the real magic happened for me
0: Hmm, that's cool and is 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 there a big a big drag scene in, in in Cape Town
1: there is. There's a fantastic drag scene. I think with the with the Miscay beauty pageants, if you're not familiar with the scene, you might not know about them at all. Mm. Uh, which was very interesting. It was an interesting world to discover. Um, but once you're in there, there's a pageant just about every weekend throughout the year. And they're great fun and it was a great space for me to also work on my confidence and I'm a big introvert, so photography really is a way for me to engage with people and I think I sometimes hide behind the camera because I'm so shy. So it really helped me to challenge those things and really get out of my comfort zone.
0: Mm, Cool. And and you say that there's a a stark difference between the constitutional rights for LGBTQI plus and and what's the reality on the street. You know, what, what are the challenges to that community kind of within the cultural landscape?
1: Usually so. Where I saw the biggest difference was within the township drag scene where there's definitely a big part of the culture that denies that queeners exist. So for instance, in the causa language, there are no words for being gay or being a transgender man or woman. So this becomes very problematic when you want to come out to your family who don't necessarily speak English. And the only way you can describe your identity is to describe a sexual act, which is very limiting. Um, what I never realized was that drag queens from the township would come to the city to perform in shows or pageants and then they would de-drag before they go home because they run the risk of not just only discrimination but also being killed. Wow! Cool. And for me, that was quite a radical thought. And that's where the idea of hashtag Black Drag Magic was born, where we wanted to go into these very spaces in the townships and reclaim them.
0: Okay, wow. And it, it, it was this when, as you... In your in, in your biography, you described that, you know, photography for you is a celebration. And was it within that project that that theme started to come to the foreground?
1: I think so. Just before that, for the past three years, I did a project on matric balls in the Cape Flats, which essentially was a celebration of the South African youth who finished high school against all odds. And a lot of the kids I work with are first-generation graduates. Um, but I didn't realize it. I think it was only last year when I sat down that I really realized that the theme of celebration is a big one in my work and it was really something that I actively wanted to push and with hashtag Black Track Magic, that was the aim. It was definitely to work collaboratively, to use the images as a celebration of the people I get to work with. And then reclaiming space was also another big theme for us.
0: Okay, so it's kind of, I think almost alongside celebration runs quite a conscious challenging as well. You know, there's definitely... There's definitely social structures that you're challenging or or cultural structures that you're challenging.
1: Definitely. I think so when we first as a group started meeting and talking about that particular project, one of the subjects said, because I was very concerned about the risk of going into these spaces and I'm not familiar with them. I don't live there. So it was definitely a risky thing that we were doing and I was trying to see whether from my side ethically it was the right thing to do. And then someone said, well, If we don't go to these spaces and we don't reclaim them, it's just like we don't exist, and that was quite triggering for me. And I felt that that's not enough. So if we if we're not going to do anything, then where does that leave people?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose uh, also, where does it leave you as well?
1: Hundred percent.
0: I think again, kind of pointing pointing a camera at those uh, challenging uh, challenging structures or, or, or ideas that people know maybe don't don't confront I think there's a there's a certain responsibility that you're taking on on yourself in doing that
1: it is I, one of the things I've been struggling with lately is that we've got this body of work and I have quite a big problem with exhibiting work in galleries because often the people depending on where you're working but often people that are presented would never come to those spaces and it's often great for the artist to exhibit in a gallery and that's fine But what about the very spaces that you're challenging? So I've got this thing where I say, well, the work should be framed within the space where it was created, meaning that I want to take the work back to the township and exhibit it publicly. The thing that's concerning me is that there might be quite a big risk involved with it. And, Will it improve the lives of the people I've worked with and will it make a difference or will it put them more at risk? And it's something that I haven't figured out what to do about yet. And it's something we as a group, are constantly discussing and figuring out what's the best way to really use the work as activism, but without risking someone's life. Okay. Um, so so sure. when, when,
0: you, when you say discussing with the group, with, with the communities that you're photographing? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's really interesting. How even the areas that you're that you're putting that work afterwards is creating a, creating a challenge um, so are there any examples where you face opposition to the to the work that you're creating and the projects that you're working on
1: um, up until now it hasn't been so challenging um, I think that the work i'm doing is is often challenging a lot of difficult issues, but we haven't had major backlash from doing it. I remember while we were shooting, we were quite careful to not spend too much time in the spaces where we were, you know, we most people are quite amazed when they hear we shot the whole series in about four and a half hours. We didn't have time to stick around and what we were doing was sending a very loud and clear message. But apart from one space where it was you could sense that it was time to go. We were mostly fine. So, and what was really amazing is that a lot of people were actually very interested in what we were doing. And we used that interest to really speak about the work and speak about the issues we were addressing. And we were quite surprised by how accommodating most of the people we encountered were.
0: Mm. Oh, cool. And um, you've said also uh, on your website that photography is the hardest mirror you've ever had to hold up to yourself. What is your work revealing about yourself?
1: So, you know, the work is always, it's an external representation of the inner landscape and you expose yourself quite a lot when you put work out into the world. And often I'll shoot stuff and I'll say, the work's shit, it's not looking good. And then I really take a step back and I look, where am I coming from? Why am I doing this? And it really is, it reveals your psyche to the world. And I think it takes a long time to build up the courage to do that consistently and to keep sending it out despite getting positive or negative feedback. Um, I think it's a very difficult thing to do a lot of the time.
0: And um, I mean, obviously, South Africa's uh, at the core of your identity. You know, do you ever, I suppose, other than the responsibility to, to, to tell the stories that are close to you, you know, do you ever see yourself producing work outside of South Africa?
1: It's funny, when I first fell in love with photography, all I wanted to do was travel and tell stories from around the world, and then I started settling quite deep into my practice, and now I love my country so much. I'm so excited about people who live here that often think that my work is a love letter to my country, and for now, I'm very happy to be producing work here. It doesn't mean that I'm not interested in working in other spaces. I definitely love to take it further and work in other countries as well, but I definitely feel a strong sense of identity and a strong sense of responsibility to be telling affirming stories, especially from South Africa and the African continent.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how, how did you or how have you developed uh, the means of getting the work to a, to a, a broader audience outside of Africa as well?
1: I've been very fortunate in that all the projects that I've produced so far have been published internationally, so that's been fantastic. Um, This year has been particularly phenomenal with the World Press Award, which is such a global platform, and the work's really getting seen a lot more than it was before, which was always what we as a group hoped for, was to, I mean, the work definitely needs to live here first, that's the most important thing. But with a platform like World Press, a lot of really historical images have come from that platform. And to insert this this story into history and for it to be important and for people to take notes, something very exciting. What I also love about it is that a lot of the images we've seen in history have always focused on the negative. And this is a very affirming story coming out of Africa, even though it's still addressing very serious issues. So there's different ways of activism. You don't always have to show the blood and the gore, and there are other ways of speaking about exactly the same things, but really in a way that empowers people. And I think that's an incredibly exciting thing to be doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it does seem to be, you know, particularly the LGBT community seems to be um, or topic seems to be quite a hot a hot subject because uh, there was there's another there's an exhibition I think later this year at, at the Tate in London. Um, I can't remember the name of the photographer, but it's again South African LGBT uh, identity. Is there a lot of kind of turbulence in that in that uh, within that community in the, in the South African culture at the moment?
1: I think so. I think, like I said in the beginning, there really is this discrepancy between what we see on paper and what the reality is for a lot of people. And within Cape Town, there's. You know, there's the larger drag scene, but then there's also subgroups. So often the black drag queens will say that they still feel quite marginalized within their own community. So there's lots of layers to this. And I think it it definitely is an important topic. I think in Africa, what makes it particularly challenging is really cultural identity that really denies that queer identity even exists. And I think it's important to understand that we are living in Africa this is the culture so we need to you cannot just go and challenge a culture and say what you're doing is wrong even if you think it's wrong yeah. so you need to find solutions that are culturally specific and sensitive and find ways to really work with people and educate them in a way that they can understand it's the same for for mental health in african cultures you know so how do we find ways to really be sensitive and to understand that We need to address this in a different way. So, I think there's great opportunity, um, but it's also a very challenging thing to be dealing with. Mm.
0: Yeah, and and artistically and creatively, you know, photography is one way of doing that. You know, do you see photography as enough to tell that story and and create that challenge?
1: No. So, I think photography can be a very powerful medium and it can raise awareness about important issues, but we've all seen shocking pictures of war in lots of countries. Has that stopped war? No. So I think it's the first layer. I think that it needs to be paired with activism. It needs to be paired with with different groups, specifically in this context where we can work with cultural groups who and go back to these very spaces that are problematic and work with a whole bunch of people to address this. So it can definitely people you know, people love visuals and it gives them an understanding and it's a way to speak about things. It's a universal language, so in those ways it's great. But no, I don't think it's the only thing that can have impact. It definitely needs to be paired with other ways of also addressing the issues.
0: Sure. Um, and do you, do you dedicate yourself to one, one project at a time? You know, is, that, is that kind of necessary for you to fully, fully immerse yourself in the, in the story that you're telling?
1: Yes, I do. I do. I think I work on on the core of a project for quite a long time. And then as I come to the end of a particular project, I might start delving into something new. I think with doing long term, there's kind of lots of phases of production. So initially you might hear something that sparks your interest and then you start doing research, you start speaking to people. So it's quite a long process. And I'm finding that if they overlap a little bit, it gives me a good flow in terms of getting work out into the world, promoting that work, and then starting to develop new bodies of work. But definitely when I'm working on the core of it, I need to be immersed in it, and there can't be too many other things going on.
0: Sure. And um, is the Hasselblad still your still your core tool?
1: So I actually haven't used it for about a year and a half, and then I started another project... Um, last year November December and I'm purely shooting it on the Hasselblad which has been very different and it works well for what I'm doing where I'm going to so we've got a space in Cattown called Ardine Gardens which is a very interesting history it was established in the 1800s by a guy from London actually Okay. And he was um, he was doing woodwork, and he would order timber from all over the world. And he, when he placed these orders, he would ask for saplings. So it grew into this incredible garden with all these exotic trees. And today, so it was established in colonial times, and now it's being used by quite a, a rich diversity of cultures for weddings, um, for all kinds of celebrations. So I've been documenting the diversity of people who go there to celebrate, and it's completely counterintuitive to everything else I've done, which is so long-term, where you go up to someone and you've got a few minutes, you you know, it's their wedding day or it's a big celebration, so you can't buy a lot of their time. And the Hustle Blood helps with that because it's interesting looking, so people are immediately interested in what you're doing. You've got 12 photos per roll film. Um and it kind of breaks the ice, so it's been working really well. So I think I do, I shift to whatever medium serves the work. It's not okay. that I use one thing consistently.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, do you prefer working in terms of the long form and the and taking the time over it? You know, does does an analog process suit so your way of working more than a than a kind of immediate digital?
1: I love analog. I wish I could do everything on it and. Mm. It doesn't always work. It doesn't work for a lot of kind of fast paced things that you need to deliver quickly or, you know, client work, it doesn't work well for necessarily, but there's something phenomenal about that process that I'm just so in love with. And every time I do it, it's just, it just gets better and better. Absolutely, absolutely love it.
0: And what, what sort of clients do you work for outside of your own projects?
1: um so if only so i do some assignment work for publications like the london times um financial times in london um the correspondent they're based in amsterdam so i do a lot of portrait work for clients like that and i always find it so weird when those jobs come in because they look at your portfolio and they go you're a brilliant portrait photographer and they say oh you get an hour with this person and they, they expect the same thing which is very different to how i work yeah um but it's good. it's good to mix it up and it's good to you know it maybe doesn't always have to take long, and maybe that's fine as well. So I do some of those I work with some local n g o s which also love doing and then mostly send my work out to once I've completed projects, then sending them out for publication and working in that way
0: mm. I suppose it's uh it, it's a different a very different way of collaborating you know when you're doing the 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 editorial stuff
1: it is it definitely and i think in some ways it's great it really pushes you to to know what you're doing it makes you better photographer for sure it's like wedding photographers i have so much respect for them you know you get one shot to to get it right Mm. and all these things feed each other they all kind of teach you different things that are just all transferable so they do work well in a lot of ways Um, but definitely a different process
0: yeah yeah and how, how, do you see, how would you describe your style? You, know, you say that, that clients will often say, oh, you know, we, we really like this, this work that you're producing. Um, how conscious have you been of, of, of developing a style?
1: That's a really interesting question. So a while ago, I looked at all my bodies of work and I was wondering, do they even sit well together or are they all very different? But maybe that's just the way I view them. Um, I think my work is definitely intimate. Um, and I think it often gives a very different perspective, which people are interested in. It's unexpected, which I like, and I think it's very difficult to define, and I like that. It's always changing, and I think I'm really coming into my own at this point in my career, but it's definitely been something that I've been developing over the last four years, Mm. and I'm starting to feel very confident. I think the celebration and the collaboration take it forward to really be consistent and i found a way that i really love working so that's been exciting for me
0: yeah yeah and has has the 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 sony world press you know has that been I, i imagine the answer is definitely yes but in terms of a milestone in making you feel like you know foundations have really been laid
1: Definitely. It's it's funny. So last year, I went to New York to present work there. And my mentor said to me, you really need to start referring to yourself as a photographer. And I realized that I actually haven't taken that step of really owning it. Um, And then with World Press this year, it was quite weird. It's the biggest award of my career. And 10 minutes later, I was making lunch after having the award ceremony on Zoom. So it's definitely been a very it's been incredible and it, it's definitely life-changing but I think because of the current circumstances it sometimes feels like it didn't even happen.
0: Sure, yeah. But
1: I think going forward that, pl- that platform will really help me to do more of what I love and really align with organizations and people I want to work with a lot easier.
0: Mm-hmm. How, how did you describe yourself before if you weren't a photographer?
1: I don't know. I
0: I, 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 I've resisted that as well at times. You know, it's like oh, calling myself a photographer feels like I don't know, like it's taking it too seriously or something.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I think I, I took on the identity of an assistant for quite a while, and even though I was producing great work, I really struggled to to own up to it and to, you know, I would say, oh, I'm making some pictures or I'm doing this project and. It was only when I started really referring to myself as a photographer that things shifted for me, and that a lot of things started happening. So I think there's a lot of value in in affirming your identity and knowing who you are and what you want and being quite clear on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's quite cool, really. You know, kind of um, a confidence in yourself.
1: Yeah, it takes a while, but once you get there, I think it it can help you a lot.
0: And h- how long did you assist for? Uh.
1: So I assisted full-time for about three years and still shooting a lot of personal work in between. And then for the last year, I've been doing less of that and more shooting and pushing the personal work a lot more.
0: What's what's the industry like in Cape Town?
1: Uh, commercial industry is really big. Um, in terms of photojournalism and documentary work, there is definitely a lot of work. I sometimes find it quite frustrating, like in the beginning with COVID. Everybody was so focused on the global North that you know, I would send pictures to editors, and they would say, "Oh, the only story we're really doing from South Africa is something on police brutality." And I was going, "There's so many nuanced stories here, and so often I find it a bit it makes me a little bit mad when stuff like that happens. I find Does it that still happen. Definitely. Um, I think there's more interest now, now that things are. So I, look at your, I look
0: at your your work, and it's like these, these stories are rich. <laughs> you know, why would you? Why,
1: yeah, you so, to,
0: to just look at something else.
1: So I think in, so. There's definitely. I think it's very different when you're based in the US or in Europe. I think that you can work a lot more as a photojournalist here. Yeah, it's very different. You might travel more from here. Um, but I find that whenever I produce stories that are really authentically South African, people are genuinely interested in it. And maybe it's just because they don't have enough awareness about how we are. And maybe that's what we need to change and we need to be putting out more of these stories and the interest will grow.
0: Yeah. Or maybe more people need to stop shooting police brutality and focus on other stories that are there. Yeah. Um, how much has the, the current situation impacted projects that were on the go for you? You know, is there anything that's kind of been put on the back burner because of this?
1: Everything's been on hold. Um, It's been quite a weird time. I wouldn't, even if I wanted to shoot, I wouldn't be able to without a permit, which I haven't been able to get. Um, So everything's kind of slowed down a lot. It's been great because it's given me time to apply for grants for new work, and I'm pushing all the work I've got at the moment, so I'm really getting it out into the world, which is in any case quite a big part of the process, where once you've completed strong bodies of work, you really need to be really getting them out. Otherwise, what's the point? Sure. But not shooting much. Uh, I've been doing a series of, of self-portraits, which has been very interesting for me. Yeah, yeah. I've never turned the lens on myself, and I've often been challenged to do that. And I think as most photographers, I hate being photographed. Hmm. But it's been a fantastic process to really become vulnerable in front of my own lens, and it's giving me new insight into how I will continue to do my work.
0: Interesting. Is there any, uh, any kind of key intention behind mm-hmm. that series?
1: i um, definitely exploring my own vulnerability, which is something I shy away from, uh, looking at mental health and isolation, and also looking at the relationship between womanhood and the domestic space and how that can become a bit anonymous in these strange times where you're doing a lot of things. And I think, I think the interesting thing that I really found was that I'm really struggling with my identity. I'm a photographer, but I'm not going out into the world and shooting.
0: yeah are you a a photographer if you're not taking pictures
1: (laughs) (laughs) so it's a weird thing so it's really turning everything on its head and it's good it's an opportunity to redefine and to to be challenged which is good
0: yeah 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 I mean I think um challenging subjects but then also challenging yourself seems to be quite uh, a common thread throughout the projects you know I think the entering into worlds that you're not kind of directly a part of you know that's quite challenging in itself you know is there is there is there something that's kind of uh, i suppose self enlightening about that process of you know really kind of throwing yourself into into a, a rich culture that you're not directly a, a part of
1: well photography can be this fantastic passport into other worlds and it's a really exciting thing i think it's very important to always acknowledge if you're privileged in the spaces that you're working really addressing that I think to be very sensitive when you're working in communities that are very different to yourself and to really understand that it is a privilege to be given access to someone's world. And just because you own a camera doesn't always give you the right to use it. Um, I always say, I think I'm quite a boring person. My life is quite boring. So I love spending time in other people's worlds. I enjoy that. I love meeting new people and learning about different things. And I think without a camera, it would be harder to do that so it it can be a passport but it needs to be used quite responsibly
0: sure sure do you ever do you ever bring any again because the stories have so much depth to them is there any uh, any temptation or do you feel the need to bring in some sort of other means for the story to be told you know whether that's Audio interview or or video interview, you know, do you feel that there's any kind of way that the that the the subjects could tell their stories in a in a in a a greater way?
1: Absolutely. So I'm not very drawn to video, which is something uh, I do regret. I think it can add very rich layers to the work. I love the idea of audio. I love the idea of when you do exhibitions to have headphones and to hear the voices of the subjects. I've got a very strong belief that whenever I exhibit, the subjects need to be there. I hate this thing of putting the artwork there and then you've got somebody viewing it and the subject's so removed from it. So I want to bring those three things together in exhibition spaces. And I've done it with gangsters, I've done it with prisoners, and it's always been such a fantastic way of breaking down these barriers Mm. between the artwork and the view and the subject. So I love love employing audio Something I'm starting to do now, and I think it's brilliant you you want to know more about a person you want to get a sense of who they are, and the voice is a powerful way to do that mm.
0: yeah, I think you're totally right you know having the having the subjects present is really important absolutely mm. yeah cool um i mean it, I, that's it's, it's really really great of you to, to to take the time to do this uh Leanne. Um, I think the well, I hope that the that the launch um, the launch that you felt you know yourself experiencing last last year is kind of a, a way for the for the stories to to really kind of increasingly reach a, a broader audience i think uh, i think i think certainly for me looking at the work um it's been a, ch- a change from just seeing the police brutality let's say
1: i'm really excited to hear that and thank you for the opportunity yeah i
0: mean it's um it's certainly it's there's so much richness to it and uh it feels like Um, And also, you know, real diversity. You know, you touched on that. I think it seems like there's um, a wealth of stories that should be told.
1: There really is. uh, I I always say South Africa is the best place in the world. And unless you come here, you really cannot understand how unique and complex and wonderful and rich it is. Mm. And I think I can tell stories just from home for the rest of my life. And I'll never get bored or tired. And I really do hope that my work is a celebration of the wonderful people I get to work with and my country.
0: You know. there's there's, there's a lot of problematic areas in life in general but that's not a reason to to shy away from them yeah Um, but no I really appreciate it and um, I, I hope you can get back to work soon
1: that's awesome thank you so much for reaching out